0: Imagine this. Your city is closed off to the outside. It's dark. The sound of explosions are constant, shaking the walls of your house every few minutes. You have no electricity. The bakeries, which are risky to go to anyway, are out of bread. Their supplies are going bad because they can't keep them in fridges. Speaking of fridges, they're being used by hospitals to store dead bodies that are coming in quicker than morticians can keep up with. This is Gaza. A prison where men, women, the disabled, the elderly and their children go to die. No hope, not even for aid groups, whose sole mission is to keep people safe and alive. It's not just a nightmare, it's their reality. Here's how the UN Secretary General Antonio Guterres described the situation.
1: Hospitals in the south of Gaza are already at capacity and will not be able to accept thousands of new patients from the north. The health system is on the brink of collapse. Morgues are overflowing. 11 health staff have been killed while on duty, and there have been 34 attacks on health facilities in the past few days.
0: This is Beyond the Headlines, and I'm Nada Al-Tahir. In this episode, we're looking at the humanitarian catastrophe that's become of Gaza. Let's break it down in numbers. Gaza is home to 2.3 million people. Before Hamas launched Operation Al-Aqsa Flood on October 7, killing at least 260 people in a music festival on the Israeli side, the Gaza Strip was already besieged from the Israeli and Egyptian sides. As soon as Israel started war on Hamas, they closed off all entry and exit points into Gaza. This means no escape and no entry for much-needed fuel. Gaza has one power plant which has effectively stopped working in its entirety within a few days. Then, Gaza went dark. The only thing powering hospitals are generators which run on fuel that is likely to run out in a few hours and has already run out in several places. What we're hearing from people working in these hospitals is that they have never seen anything like this before. Mind you, these are the same people who have seen war after war after war for decades. They're saying bodies are coming in in pieces, families are unable to recognize their next of kin, and the bodies are coming in faster than they can even bury them. There's no use in giving you an exact death toll because by the time you've listened to this podcast, it'll most likely have already gone up. But it stands at more than 2,800 people at the time of this recording on October 17. Mostly civilians and hundreds of children. More than Russia has killed in an entire year in Ukraine. Just to paint a picture. Many paramedics don't even know how their own families are doing. They're just working around the clock. Many until death. This is Yasser Ali, one of the health workers at Al-Aqsa Hospital, which has had to use ice cream fridges to keep... Corpse is cold. The capacity of dead bodies, refrigerators and hospitals could not accommodate the number of deaths that came to us. We had to use alternative refrigerators such as ice cream storage vehicles to put the dead bodies inside. Around 100 dead bodies came to the hospital every day. This is the first time we see this amount of deaths. Days ago, the Red Cross warned that hospitals will turn into morgues, and that, it seems, is where they are truly heading. This is Mohammed Al fityani spokesman from the Palestinian Red
1: Crescent. <laughs> The situation in Gaza right now is a human catastrophe. This is what we are seeing from our operations in the strip, and from what has been reported from eyewitnesses as well. The Palestinian Red Crescent is offering its medical and assistance services in cooperation with hospitals but now we are facing a number of challenges that could threaten the lives of many. Having no electricity makes it difficult to offer services, especially in hospitals and clinics. There's a shortage in fuel as well. So far, we have used 80% of our fuel stocks for hospitals. Israel has
0: actually made calls to the heads of hospitals, we are told, telling them to clear out their facilities. The doctors say we are not leaving. If they want to kill our patients, they will have to kill us with them, Gaza's health ministry spokesman told me earlier. Despite all the efforts being made by the US and Egypt, as well as the UAE, Saudi Arabia, Qatar, and others to bring peace or just a humanitarian corridor, the only hope for that is through the Rafah border crossing between Gaza and Egypt, through which, aid has yet to flow because Egypt's foreign minister says they are waiting for approvals from the Israelis, which we understand as guarantees that aid will be allowed to flow through safely in exchange for letting dual nationals out of the Gaza Strip. But so far, nothing. All of this is happening while people in Gaza are facing displacement. Earlier this week, Israel gave Gazans in the north around 1.1 million people hours to vacate their homes, rendering them internally displaced. What you just heard was a Ghazan woman saying, they have kicked us out. Once again, history repeats itself. Palestinians having to forcibly leave their homes behind, while images of their previous mass displacements are still haunting them. In 1948, around 700,000 Palestinians turned into refugees almost overnight after a mass displacement in what is known in the Arab world as al-Nakba, which means catastrophe in Arabic. In 1967, some 300,000 Palestinians were also reported to have been displaced. And up until a few months ago, there were 5.9 million Palestinians registered by the UN as refugees. But it appears that more Palestinians were destined to suffer. And now, hundreds of thousands in northern Gaza have packed up, leaving their clothes, their valuables, and their most precious memories behind, as leaflets fell from Israeli planes overhead telling them they only had 24 hours before the start of a massive campaign of airstrikes. The UN estimates that one million Gazans have left their homes so far. And they don't have anywhere to go either. UN-funded schools where people have taken shelter are overflowing with people. And in many, many cases, people are resorting to sheltering in relatives' homes, or even in their cars, or worse, on the streets. Nowhere is safe. This is Samir Abdeljabir, Representative and Country Director of the World Food Programme in Palestine.
1: The situation in Gaza, beyond words, over a million people have left their homes, moving to shelters that are overcrowded or with family members that might not even have enough food or space to give them. People moved without food, without water, without any of their belongings. They come to the shelters but are barely met with basics like electricity or mattresses or even food. Within the first 48 hours, WFP began distributing bread to the displaced families in shelters every day. But while the numbers of people in need is increasing every day, our ability to reach them, with food is dwindling. The bakeries we're working with are falling out one after the other. They tell us they don't have electricity or water to continue working. On the news the other day, I heard a man in one of the shelters say that the only thing he has eaten all day was the bread he received from aid. Imagine if that stops too. Since the beginning of the crisis, WFP has reached close to a half a million people in Gaza with food aid and vouchers. They can use to buy food from the shops that are still working. But the stocks are going to run out soon. We've piled up food that has been coming in from the region at all possible entry points to Gaza. The food is loaded and ready for the green light to go inside and reach those people in need. We just need a simple thing, access. People in Gaza should not go hungry when food is next door.
0: But a hospital director told me that If nothing is done, doctors have no choice but to watch their patients die. That's it for today. For more information on what's happening in Israel and Gaza, please keep an eye on our website, thenationalnews.com. This episode was produced by Daat Farid, Phil Green, Arthur Edison, and I'm your host, Nadal Tahir. If you want to get every episode of Beyond the Headlines as soon as it's released, just subscribe in your podcast app.